Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Luke Worsham. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Luke underscore Worsham. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give the pod a follow on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod, on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we are under the A to Z Sports umbrella. So go give A to Z Sports a follow across all social media platforms. This is Sode number 62. The Brian Schwinky of Sodes, or if you want to go current, Aaron Brewer of Sodes. Corey Levin has also donned the number 62. But, Luke, I think it's pretty clear that we're going to have to give the rights to Sode 62 to Brian Schwinky. Yeah, I, I felt bad for Brian Schwinky watching his leg break in half that day oh. that Dan Campbell and his knee-biting Miami Dolphins came in and absolutely destroyed the Titans. That might be the best game Ryan Tannehill's ever played at Nissan Stadium, and he's played some good ones wearing the other color. Brian Schwinky has to be the best name for an offensive lineman ever. It's perfect. I mean, I mean, if you look at a picture of Brian Schwinky and then see his <laughs> name, you would say this person looks like a Brian Schwinky. <laughs> Not everyone looks like a Schwinky, but Brian Schwinky definitely did. Uh, we are in the, we are officially in the middle of our draft weekend hangover. Uh, we're we're going to the dark days. We're going. It, it's going to be dry and barren from here until training camp, really. But there's still going to be tidbits of news trickling in. We're going to cover it all like we are this week. Uh, we well, have- and and a few minutes ago, I got a text that uh, rookie minicamp is this weekend, and we will have one day of media access for that. You, and you'll, you'll be there to tell us all about it, right? I, I, I will be there to tell you all about it. We're excited to hear your, your little report from there. We're gonna, we'll talk about it here. But today we're talking about Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer's done it again, the first-year NFL head coach with a really big heart down in Jacksonville, signed Tim <laughs> Tebow to a one-year deal. If this offseason is really any indication of what's to come from the Jaguars and the Urban Meyer era, the Titans fans can rest assured knowing that neither them or the Texans will be nipping at their heels anytime soon. DK Metcalf, he competed in a real track event. Seahawks star finished the 100 meter in 10.37 seconds, finishing in last in his nine-man heat, but that's a pretty decent time. So we're going to talk about who our Titans track team would be, current and all-time. We'll give you those answers later in the episode. We each have assembled a four by 100 meters team of the current players on the Titans roster, as well as the, as well as guys throughout time. So we'll get you those. Rhett Bryan's joining us this week. We're talking draft. We're talking draft. We're talking about what's to come for the Titans this season, what they're going to do at wide receiver. Should we feel confident? Is Julio Jones a possibility? And Rhett Bryan pulled a gun on somebody. So you're going to have to stick around to hear about that story. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would stick around just so that we don't get a libel lawsuit. <laughs> also, NFL schedules are going to be released Wednesday. So that's today for you guys that are listening at 7 p.m. Central time. I'm sure a couple games will leak out before, but 7 p.m. Central is when all of the NFL schedules will be completely released. We'll know uh, who the Titans are playing and when. Right now we know who they're playing. We'll break down some of the 2021-2022 regular season opponents after we talk to Rhett Bryan. Um, but right now, Luke, that's enough out of me. Tell these fine people about Mill Creek Brewing Company. 
I will tell these fine people about Mill Creek Brewing Company, which is located at 2008B Johnson Industrial Boulevard in Nolansville, Tennessee. They have one of the coolest tap rooms in Middle Tennessee with over 20 unique Mill Creek beers on tap. They have a phenomenal patio seating area as well as a massive indoor seating section if you're looking to enjoy a little darling, juicy days, or any one of the unique Mill Creek beers in front of one of their many televisions to watch the Predators in the playoffs. Woo! Mill Creek is putting on the Catfish Jake Cornhole Classic, benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which takes place this Saturday, May the 15th. And it's only 25 bucks for lunch and an open bar. And if you want to play in the Cornhole Tournament, it's a 64-team double elimination tournament. And that one is 125 bucks per team. If you would like to enter that and have a chance to win some awesome prizes, nobody throws a party like Mill Creek Brewing Company, and you can check them out online at millcreekbrewingco.com. You can, on their website, see their upcoming event every Thursday, live performances all the time. So be sure to head out to Mill Creek and make sure to tell them that the Tighten Up podcast sent you. $25 for lunch in an open bar. I, that is a steal. And they really, it is really an open bar. They'll have like four tents with beer kegs there. You, you can, you know, pour yourself some, they'll pour you some. It's, it's a really cool deal that they're doing a big cornhole tournament. We and it's, love it's, Mill Creek. It's also the, the first miracle uh, that has been done on earth since the days of the ancient Bible times, because you get to watch a predators playoff game and the predators are being coached by John Hines. This is truly a miracle. The fact that this team, which is that was, John Hines shade? Are you John Hines shading right now? To be completely honest, I don't know a whole lot about the Predators. I don't follow them very closely. I do know that watching them at the start of this season uh, and keeping up with them was painful to see the trajectory that they had. Uh, I am totally amazed that they are not only like still have a pulse, but have earned themselves into the postseason. They are hot. They are hot, hot, hot. Just like Mill Creek Brewing Company, head out there this Saturday. Uh, Catfish Jake's Cornhole Classic is going to be really fun. A lot of people there. Uh, good times will be had. But with all that said, we've talked Predators. Let's talk Titan. <laughs> yeah. Before we make fun of the Jaguars, let me say some words about our new sponsor, Smash Pest Control. Springtime has arrived, and unfortunately, so have the mosquitoes and termites. So now is the perfect time to talk to you guys about Smash Pest Control, the best pest control service in Middle Tennessee. Smash is a local company with a community-driven approach that focuses on amazing customer service above all else. They will smash your expectations with every visit. If they don't, you don't pay. It's that simple. They don't keep you waiting around like other pest control companies. They show up on time, hustle, exterminate and smash your expectations. Right now, you can get your initial pest control service started by mentioning A to Z for just $79. So your first pest control service with Smash Pest Control, just $79 if you mention A to Z. Even better, the owners of Smash are massive Titans and Preds fans, and that had a lot to do with the branding and naming of the company. These guys do amazing work all over the mid-state. Make sure to check them out online at smashpest.com or give them a call at 615 615- 581-7473, 615-581-7473, and they'll solve those pesky pest problems today. All right, Luke, so number 62, let's get it kicked off, man. Uh, Urban Meyer, we, we mentioned at the top, he signed Tim Tebow to a one-year deal. 
Now I get it. Everyone's exhausted right now. They've, they've heard all the Tim Tebow dialogue that they need. And at the end of the day, it, it, it's a guy who's probably not even going to crack the 53 man roster. So I guess I'll ask you first before, before exactly. telling my thoughts, <laughs> what, what are, what are your thoughts on, yeah. on Tim Tebow? So, Look, I'm with everyone that is talking about, you know, this is not a meritocracy. He's just buddies with the coach. Publicity is, yeah, it's a clear, it's a clear not, it's not the grades you make, it's the hands you shake. That's that is what Urban Meyer has demonstrated with this signing. And and you know, it's funny, when I saw the tweet from I guess it was Rappaport on draft day that this was going to be a possibility, my initial reaction looking at my phone, I was like, Okay, this is stupid, but like, I can't <laughs> wait to see what happens. Like, this is going to be fun. Like, Tim Tebow's back in the league, you know? And the amount of people whose reaction to this has been like vile, explosive anger. How dare they sign Tim Tebow? Are you saying to lay off of them? Yes. Look, it's stupid, and you can criticize the decision for being stupid, but these people who are purporting to have lost sleep over the fact that Tim Tebow got a job when all these other hardworking NFL players who are more deserving are just shut up. It's fun. It's football. Tim Tebow is a fun person to watch. He stonk at quarterback, but he's popular. He's fun to watch. Let yourself have some fun. Take a breath. It's going to be okay. Like you said, Jackie's probably not even going to make the team. Like I saw, I saw a tweet last night from former Titans defensive lineman, Daquan Jones. And he said uh, something along the lines of, you know, man, I guess it's just all about who, you know, these days. Uh, Yeah. And it's not these days. That's all. That's like how life works. Talk to anybody at a, at a college who gives career development advice or anybody in an industry that is giving career development advice. And the first thing they will tell you is, well, you have to develop relationships. That's how life works. And these people who are acting like this is some sort of attack on the integrity of the NFL shield need to take a chill pill. Okay. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I really can't believe my eyes and ears right now. I do agree with you that, you know, it's not as big of a deal as it seems just because he's a guy who's probably not going to make the roster. And at the end of the day, it's not worth talking about, but it's Tim Tebow. And he's been out of the league for eight years and now he wants to switch positions. He's going to go down to urban Meyer in Jacksonville, who he had a great relationship with at Florida. And I get that there he's his mentor and everything, but urban's kind of making it clear that this is a signing that the team is making to kind of enhance the culture and, and, and kind of get the right which, characters which in the locker dumb. room. I'm I'm 100 with well, everyone. This is where I this is where I stand on that because if he want if he sincerely wanted to improve the locker room and this is and this is what he says to be you know assigning to do that, then his first move or one of his first moves as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars wouldn't have been to hire. The former Iowa strength coach, Chris Doyle, who was fired at Iowa by Kirk Ferentz for, you know, allegedly, you know, being pretty racist, saying some pretty racist things to these players. And you bring that guy in. That's one of the first guys you hire. It it doesn't make sense. And if you're 
if you're Urban Meyer and you can look around in the NFL, because the NFL is not like college, ask Nick Saban. If you look around at some of the successful coaches and the successful organizations in the NFL, you don't see any of them hiring a local youth pastor to come in and play tight end. That's essentially what Urban Meyer did in Jacksonville. And that's why I think it, it's it's not only dumb, but it's – it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of gross. I agree. It's dumb. All right. It's it's dumb for for this guy, Urban Meyer, to talk about you know a culture first move being to bring in a quarterback, a former quarterback in his early thirties to like see what happens at tight end on the heels of like you said making a horrific hire that was so bad. And the, the pressure after the back lasted so 48 strong. hours. Yeah, he, he didn't even just like uh, uh, the uh, Kevin Steele at University of Tennessee uh, <laughs> yeah. to throw that in there. But look, I agree. It's dumb and it's stupid. and It's every other adjective it's like just, that to throw in. But some people are like offended by it. It's like it's oh, a little icky. It's just a little dare icky. They? I'm not a, I'm yeah. not as big of a how dare they. I'm like, this is seriously an NFL organization making a move like this. Correct. But and what it does is you finally got you finally are talking about Jacksonville in a good light. You've got Trevor Lawrence, your quarterback of the future. You had a bunch of draft picks you can prop up, but you want to bury it by signing Tim Tebow to a one-year deal. How <laughs> toxic see, and miserable. It, I think it's hilarious. I, I, as an NFL fan and consumer, I think it's fun. Like like I said, let let it burn, baby. Let it burn. Let it burn. That's what's happening. That's going to happen but, down but, there. Well, I'm telling you. My, pro- my problem is, I agree, I agree with you completely, but my problem is these people getting on Twitter and wanting to, like, play the Sarah McLaughlin in the Eyes of the Angels commercial with, like, people who don't have a job in the NFL right now as if Tim Tebow is somehow oppressing them. Like, Calm down. Like if you're referring to the Colin Kaepernick comparison, Kaepernick was not only a better quarterback. No, I'm not even. I'm not even going. Only four years removed. That's fine. Let's let's not. But Kaepernick's only four years removed to the NFL. Tebow's eight years removed, and he's trying a different position at age 33. And there there are people out there that are saying, you know, maybe he's going to be in Trevor Lawrence's ear to walk him through a couple things. He doesn't need to be. C.J. Beathard, uh, Battleground Academy legend. Um, it's it, gonna be it's gonna be out there as, as Trevor Lawrence's backup. They've probably got the longest hair in their quarterback room of any team in the NFL. But Tim Tebow's not there for anything other than to probably just get guys to show up to Bible study. I mean, let's face it, he has no place on this roster. I saw there was a, a sports book that put out today over under 12 and a half career receiving yards for Tim Tebow. <laughs> so essentially, will he catch a pass in the NFL? Yes, and it will be a touchdown against the Titans. Oh, you please don't speak that into existence. The bank on that. Do not you speak that into happen, existence. Dude. You know he's going to make the team, and then the, the Jaguars are going to come to Nissan Stadium, and the Titans are going to win the game. But but Tim Tebow is going to catch a touchdown against the Titans. Like it, that is the classic thing that would happen in this scenario. It's it's just kind of comical to me that you know you're way more lax and chill about Tim Tebow going to Jacksonville. And, you I know, just that's think it's of, funny. But you, but when we talk about teams allowing players to wear single-digit numbers at positions that don't traditionally wear those numbers, you are, you're a mess. You, you, you go in, a, in riot mode. I mean, like, my reaction to this it would also be my reaction if I heard that the Boys and Girls Club hired Isaiah Wilson to be a mentor to underprivileged <laughs> youth. 
Like I, I'd just be like, well, that's a weird choice. Uh, let's see what happens. You know, that's funny though. But, but you, so we now know we'll talk about this for a second because I know you want to hit on it. Um, we now know that players are going to start wearing single-digit numbers at whether it be wide receiver, safety, corner, D-line, wherever it may be. The, the numbers for these guys will, will soon to change, will not be the traditional, you know, um, quarterbacks go from 1 to 18 or, or, or running backs, you know, go from 20 up. It, it's, it's going to be a little different. It's going to look a lot different. And I know you hate it all, so go ahead oh, and get it off your chest. Absolutely hate all of this and I've written about it and I've talked about it and I wrote a very what I thought was a very nice and well level-headed well-reasoned level-headed column on a to z sports nashville.com where I talked about how the NFL's playing with tradition way too much I don't know why anyone and I tell myself I'm like you shouldn't be this concerned about this like it's like the diva thing it's like it's it's just fun. You let them wear the college numbers. It's not that big of a deal. But then I see Sterling Sharp, excuse me, Sterling Shepard come across, much less talented receiver, Sterling Shepard come across <laughs> my Twitter feed wearing number three. And like my insides start to turn. I'm like, I hate that. You know what would be and a good I, rule? If you can only change your number to one of these forbidden numbers, if you have a Pro Bowl, if you have a Pro Bowl under your belt. But, but I think see, here's that the would be. I think it, that would be a happy me. You know, a, a good middle. It's basic. Ground. It's basically the opposite of that right now because anybody can change it. But if you're a pro bowler, you're going to have to pay more money because you know a lot of people are like, is Derek Henry going to change to number two? No, because he would have to repay Nike for every 22 jersey that is sitting in a Dick Sporting Goods or an Academy Sports. That's a lot of money. Seasons. And so no, we never do that, that financial side. And so it's really the scrubs that are at an advantage here because they don't have to pay a bunch of money for jerseys that no one's buying to begin with. Hmm. That's a, that's an interesting angle. Yeah. Cause Derek Henry would have to cough up a ton of money. Granted a ton of people, now, you know, grab that number two Jersey off the shelves. Now this obviously doesn't apply to uh, guys changing teams. Deshaun Watson's, or excuse me, Deshaun Jackson's going to wear number one with the Rams. Uh, I saw where Patrick Peterson's going to wear seven in Minnesota. Deshaun but, Jackson wearing number one for being the only 40-year-old on the Rams roster. <laughs> the, the and, and I actually, I told some friends this last night, the only thing that would make me like this rule is if Tim Tebow gets to wear 15 as a tight end. <laughs> Gosh. I just, I don't even, my head is going to explode by the end of this podcast. But, okay, so... I, 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 this is that's my stance. You got to get a Pro Bowl to change your number to single digits. If you haven't made a Pro Bowl, it's it's not for you. But I get that. The, I, mean, I get the financial side of things. I get it. Why can't why can't quarterbacks wear numbers in the nineties? Like while we're at it, that's just that's disgusting. I don't even want to. I'm not going to even pay any attention to that. We're gonna we're gonna act like that didn't happen, and we're gonna move on because DK Metcalf. We talked about it. 10.3 seconds in the 100 meters. Uh, he finished last in his heat, but it's really a solid time. Uh, so, I mean, that, that just made me think, you know, huh, if a player on the Titans decided to run, who would you want it to be? And then I was like, you know what? Screw that. We're going to build a team. 
a team of Titans track stars. And this really is that peak, 10 times fast. peak off-season content right yes. here, but it's fabulous. Like, I had so much fun putting this together. So we'll start it. We'll start it with the guys that are on the roster now. Um, I, I've okay. kind of I, I've built a four by one hundred team uh, of Titans who I think would be a, a good track squad, and I, I've kind of I've spaced them out to where this guy would run in leg one for this reason, and this guy would be the anchor for that reason. So let's go ahead and get into it. So my Titans track team, I'd have Cam Batson running the first leg of the four by 100. I think he, you know, yeah. he's a jitterbug. My question is longevity. Will he finish as strong as he starts? I'm not sure. So that's why I put him up front. You he's know, on he, mine. If he takes, he, he's on yours. Yeah. Okay. He's got a, he ran a four, three, five 40 on his pro day. You know, maybe if he tapers off late, they'll still be in it just because of, you know, the start yeah. he gets off to. So I have him running the first leg. I actually have a recent guest of the Titan up podcast on this list. Mason Kinsey. Oh, I thought you were going to say Nick Westbrook. Akina. No, he's not the speed demon that I wished he was, but Mason Kinsey is. He ran a 4.36 on his pro day. Remember, he went to a, a D3 school in Georgia. A 4.36. That's pretty fast. I didn't and, know that, actually. And that's the guy who shows up to the track and you're like, huh, this guy's running? No way. And then he just blows He blows by you. So he's going he's gonna to play the role of the underdog who over – who over uh, performs? So Mason Kinsey, second leg. He was not on my list. Well, you've got the you've got a bad list then. So number three, a guy who I just hope doesn't get injured by the end of, of this race, Darrington <laughs> Evans. Yeah, yeah, Darrington Evans. That's four, an obvious one. Four four one out of uh, in his forty out of Appalachian State. And the thing about him is, he's got he can finish through a hundred yards because or a hundred meters. Um, you know, 100 meters is equivalent to, I think, 100, 109 yards. That may be backwards, but it's somewhere along the line. So it's similar distances. So for Evans to be able to do that, I have confidence because he was a kick returner and a good one at that and a punt returner as well. So yeah. I, I, I think that not only will he start strong, he has the finishing ability you need late in the four by 100. So he's my third leg. And then another guy who we just hope will be able to run by the time the event starts. Caleb Farley. Out of Virginia oh, yeah. Tech, Titans first round draft pick. He's probably my the new favorite player. Titans player. He's probably the fastest player on the roster. Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Just, just in pure Dar- strength, Darren would be the only one to give him a run for his money. Yeah, nice a run for his money. I see what you did there. But uh, Caleb Farley, <laughs> he put up a four two eight in his pro day. Uh, you, you just got to again. You got to bring the ice packs and the heating pads before and after because you never know if they might need them. So that's my four by one hundred team for the the current roster as it stands. Do you have any tweaks or adjustments you, you'd like to make? So we we were we both we we both had Caleb Farley, Cameron Batson, and Darrington Evans. I had Racy McMath as one of mine. Nice, Racy McMath is a that's a, okay. I'll allow it because that's a perfect track name. Racy McMath, that is an awesome name. That's pretty good. It's fantastic. You know, that's ran a, it, he ran a he ran a four three nine so. Four three nine. So he definitely would be amongst these guys. He would be because Batson's four three five. Mason Kinsey's four three six. He's four three nine. Then Evans would be four four one. So I guess we could clip Evans, but I think Evans has track speed. I think he's fast on the track. You know, you can have you can have turf speed and grass speed, but track speed is rare. Yeah. All right. So Racy McMath's the only difference there. Now I understand you have. A four by one hundred team of all time Titans. 
I'm, I can't Titans. wait to hear it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, like, I don't really know. So there's one, obviously, you can't argue with Chris Johnson, right? The, yeah, uh, no doubt. But the other three, like, I don't know how really you could argue with these either. Two of them are very recent types, as in were on the team in 2020. Um, one of them to less of a degree than the other one. So I put Khalif Raymond on my list because okay. the, the first time I ever saw Khalif Raymond practice, I said, and I've rarely had this moment. I, I literally was like, I don't remember who I was with. I was like, who is that guy? It was just so fast and his feet were so quick. And I looked down at my roster and saw Khalif Raymond blazing speed. We, we've seen it over and over again. He would be a good one because his hair in the wind would be majestic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, he ran. Uh, I'm pretty sure he ran track in high school. Uh, he's an Atlanta kid, and I'm pretty sure he ran track in high school or college or both. Definitely one of the two. And then the other one is a Dory Jackson. I think that's a pretty obvious choice as yeah, well. Another collegiate track runner. Now here's my fourth one, and this is the one that I think maybe could be debated, but I think is the right choice. Tommy Campbell. Tommy Campbell's a good one. I like that one. Special teams all-star. If, if you don't know who that is, yeah, he was a corner, mostly played special teams, had a couple of big return plays on on trick plays, but he was a super fast guy, and he used to joke that he was faster than Chris Johnson. And I feel like he may have a track background. I don't know, but I would put him on that list. Those are all pretty good. I think you could include Kenny Britt. And Pac-Man Jones, not because they're, you know, Pac-Man elite definitely. speed guys. Well, Pac-Man is, but they have get away from the cop speed. You know, if, if, if you got a cop car flashing blue lights on the track behind them, they'll get up pretty quick. I've, I'm pretty confident in that because they've seen them a few times. But that's a Isaiah, good list. Isaiah that's Wilson, list. for the Isaiah second time Wilson. in this spot, I brought him up. We're just going to keep talking. We can't, we can't forget about Pam. It can't let him go, but I was going to say he must have good get away from the cops because he's only been arrested once, at least that we know about. So his evasiveness is solid. I don't know about I don't know about straight line speed, but he's definitely evasive. That's, you know, that's another <laughs> yeah, one to consider. Evasive. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard our track team. So uh, I think we I think we kind of nailed those. I, I, maybe Tyrone Calico fits in there somewhere before he blows up his knee entirely. Um it's but th- those are pretty hard to argue with. In I mean, my like peak Randy Moss, but not Titans Randy Moss. Yeah, you could do peak Randy Moss, but I still don't know. I, I think Mason Kinsey. Give me Mason Kinsey over Randy Moss. That's the only time that that's allowed to be said. But give me Mason Kinsey over Randy Moss in a four by one hundred. I'm gonna stick to my guns on that but, too. Mason Kinsey's. You know, I'm 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 new to this show. I I, I am eagerly awaiting my first opportunity to have a Titan up podcast interview with a Titans undrafted free agent. Oh, it's coming. Like I, I, I'm pumped. You can't stop it. It's coming. Just wait. We've got plans. I'm pumped. But we also had plans with Rhett, Rhett, Rhett Bryan and you're going to hear him in a second. We, that was uh, a wonderful segue, Jack. That was he, fantastic. He crushed it. Rhett Bryan's the man. He really, he's hilarious too. He's got some great stories. We're going to get him back on. He's going to tell you another one, but, um, for now, you'll only get a couple and a ton of Titans draft stuff. But before we get into Rhett Bryan, let me say a quick word about DraftKings Sportsbooks. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of USC, UFC, has a heavyweight offer to this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. 
One fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main fight, main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbooks. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbooks offers great deals and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code A to Z when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code A to Z to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Now let's get to Red Brian. This week, we are very excited to be joined by a Titans radio legend. He's one of the most knowledgeable and hilarious Titans media personalities in town. If you've listened to any draft analysis on 104.5 The Zone over the last month or even on draft weekend, you heard him. You already know who I'm talking about. He's the executive producer and game day host on Titans radio. His name is Rhett Bryan. At least that's what we think so far. Rhett, how's it going, man? It's going good. How much do I owe you for the introduction? Because the check is in the mail. It's free of charge. <laughs> free of charge for you, Red. But um, so I've I've been uh, I talked to my Rhett Brian Deep Throat, okay. and he he told me to ask this question. Now, is Rhett Brian your real name? It is. It's your real it name. Is. It is my given middle and last name. My given first name is Jonathan. Uh-huh. But I go by Rhett and always have. But that is my given name. Okay. So my follow-up question is, who is John Justice? That is my alter ego from uh, about 30 <laughs> years ago uh, when 104.5 The Zone was 104 The Fox, classic rock, and then Arrow 104.5, all rock and roll oldies of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I've always been a Braves fan, so it was John Good. Smoltz. David Justice, and that was my faux radio name. And I'll tell you this, uh, I don't mean to take it down a dark turn, but if you <laughs> have anyone stalk you, that is handy to have an alias. And that was one of the main reasons why I did it, because uh, when I started working as a classic rock DJ on, on 104.5, when it was a classic rock station, I was working <laughs> overnights and weekends and a lot of strange things happened after about 10 o'clock at night, and especially when they call you on the phone asking for requests and those things uh, for songs. But, yeah, uh, that uh, that was my DJ name, John Justice. Yeah, Really? So so if you didn't play a certain song, you might end up with somebody following you home? Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, the station was uh, located over at 2nd Avenue and Peabody, and mm-hmm. it, we our company <laughs> still actually has a, a place over there where some of the Nash stations are, the country format stations. And um, so at this particular point, 104.5 was housed with KDF, which is a heritage 
classic rock station, album-oriented rock station for many, many years before it turned country. And a buddy of mine was working uh, the uh, night shift on, down the hall, and I was working at 104.5, and some guys had requested Freebird by Leonard Skinner, which was very, very popular uh, request. <laughs> and they had had some liquid courage and came to the door, I don't know, a couple hours into his shift and said, you never played our song. They pulled a gun on it. No way. Uh, uh, it's not 100% truth to the story. It's uh, And he, of course, pulled the door to and ran as hard, you know, as fast as he could back to the, the studio. And thank goodness nothing came of it. But, uh, yeah, it was always good to have an <laughs> alias and always good to have an extra plan. Because, again, you know, not a lot of great things happen after 10, 10 11 yeah. o'clock. On a I, bet, so. I bet you never skipped a request to play Freebird again. Well, here's the thing. Right, this is I'm I'm gonna give you an old trade <laughs> secret here. A lot of these stations are formatted. In other words, there is a program where the program or music director inputs a song, uh, and and they, there's a thing called uh, used to be called selector was the program, and so you would put in uh, songs that were in your catalog, and there was def definitely a, a an algorithm with light, medium, and heavy rotation, how many times that song was played. You know, it's still the way some popular stations are done top 40, you know, contemporary hit radio is done right now. And we really didn't take requests. If we got a request and we had recorded on, for the young folks, reel to reel with tape and splice it up with razor blade and splicing <laughs> tape, yeah. uh, and we'd play, hey, you know, what song you want to hear? It would just be by coincidence most of the time. Uh, really didn't take requests and, and a lot of the music format stations still don't so inside tip there wow luke i think you're on mute. yeah yeah i was <laughs> part of your job with titans radio and i know this because i used to call in when i was like 14 and 15 Look at you. is you screen the calls for the coaches show mm -hmm. on i think it's tuesday nights maybe it's monday nights during the monday season now mm -hmm. uh What's the most like bizarre question call you've ever gotten? Because like I remember for one year, I would screen calls for A to Z sports when we had call-ins for the morning show. Mm -hmm. And I would get people that like would forget about talking to Austin and Zach and would just sit and want to talk shop with me for, for 10, 15 minutes. Like what, what, what's the most bizarre story you have from that? You know, well, first of all, let me say this. You know, all of our Titans radio stations air the Mike Vrabel show or the coaches show in, in any form it's been in. So that's, you know, 53, 54 stations in three states. And there's wild card effect there. So we run the show in delay. And I, I have I started delay as soon as we start that show, because I want to make sure if something is said expletive wise, I can hit a dump button or if they just go down a you know crazy path. I had uh, a guy, one of the first years I was producing would have been then the Ken Wisenhunt show. Oh man. I bet those oh, calls were not That's pretty. bad enough as, <laughs> Oh wow. What a, what a gym he was to work with. Um, you only had to do that for like 16 months. Yeah, it didn't true. even last two years. I felt so bad for Mike Keith. He just, now listen, Mike Vrabel loves to give Mike a good ribbing and give him the business every week on that show, but it's very playful and it's great. Uh, Ken wasn't that there was no act there. It was just whew, salt, salt, salt. 
so we had a guy that had called in uh, posing as some guy, you know, whatever. And I thought it was almost like a prank. And so as soon as I put him, patch him through, he starts asking the coach a bunch of crazy stuff about his wife's underwear. Or I forget what Whoa. it was. And I quickly dump, <laughs> you know. And I, so, and, and the thing is, and Luke, you'll, you'll know this from experience. You'll have regulars that call in and you know their voice uh, immediately. And, you know, we've got yeah. several callers that are regulars. There's a guy named Ernie who lives in Kingsport up in the Tri-Cities that calls all the time. And there's a real deep country guy named Hank who calls from Horn Lake, Mississippi and talking by Brable. <laughs> and, you know, but you can pretty much tell, you know, A, if I hear that they've been uh, in the liquid courage part of it again, or if they just don't sound right. I just put them on hold and they just either stay there or they go away when we're done with the show. Uh, I just, you know, my whole thing is I, I'm, I'm beholding to 50 plus radio stations. I don't want anything to get out. That's ugly that, you know, if the kids are in the car, or I want to try to be right about that if I possibly can. Um, but yeah, uh, there's been some doozies over the years. Even before Ooh. I took it over, there was some, Ooh, crazy questions that slipped through that uh, they didn't hit the delay button on. But, um, yeah, it happens. Well, we, we didn't bring you on here to talk about Miss Wizard Hunt's underwear. We uh, actually <laughs> wanted to talk a little Titans with you. Uh, so, in the draft, the Titans, you know, they got their corner. They, they really fixed up, uh, shored up, I should say, their the defensive backfield. Caleb Farley, if healthy, uh, could, could be a really dynamic corner for this team. But that's the question. If he's healthy, are you surprised that John Robinson, after the Isaiah Wilson failure, that, that the the failure of the experiment, um, that he went with a guy that wasn't so much of a sure thing, but a guy who's had a couple back surgeries, and now we see the athleticism, you see how fast he is, you see his confidence, you hear his confidence. But are you a bit surprised that that's the route he took? No, and I'll tell you why. First of all, the examples you gave, circumstances completely different. I mean, Isaiah Wilson, first of all, didn't have any medical things. Uh, he's a, clearly, to me, a guy that you hear the old adage of somebody that interviews well for the job, and then you don't know what happened. After. I think that's exactly what happened there. And, you know, a lot of these coaches in college are not going to say anything really bad about their player, and maybe there's a, something lost in translation in the vetting process. You know, I hear these stories about scouts talking to their coaches, secretaries or, you know, the people that deal with them on a regular basis, not directly in football to kind of get, you know, gauge what a guy's attitude or makeup is like. Is there anything quirky uh, with Caleb Farley? It didn't surprise me because and again, circumstance is different. But two years ago, he took a chance on a guy named Jeffrey Simmons, who had right. just blown out a knee in pre-draft workouts that in any <laughs> especially this year's draft as, as thin as D line was in a position, he'd have been the first dude taken and he'd have been way before um, Christian Barmore, you know, was taken by, by the uh, new England Patriots. Now, again, we think it's a chronic thing that has happened with, with Farley. Cause you know, in 2019, he had a flare up when he was power lifting, apparently had a, a surgery then and then has had a second surgery, you know, in this off season. You can certainly see the talent, the measurables, the athletic traits are all there. And you said it right, Jack. If 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 healthy, they got themselves a heck of a player in this. And you just hope that that is the case and that there is not anything uh, 
irreparable or something that is uh, going to get re-injured uh, on a frequent basis in this thing. Because if you give those things, put those things aside, sounds like he's a solid person. Uh, and so that Isaiah Wilson part is kind of put to the side. I'm sure they did way more vetting. And for that matter, I think the whole dang league probably looked at things a lot closer because there was no combine. The senior bowl was, I mean, look at the draft class with John Robinson. A lot of those guys were at the senior bowl where he could be in front of them, talk to them, glean medical information. And I, I think the Isaiah Wilson effect was league wide, not just in the Titans backyard. Yeah, and, and you're right about that. It, it's hard for teams to really get a gauge on some of these guys that they haven't met in person. They haven't had a physical meeting with. Um, and without the combine, you know, especially that's even tougher. But uh, so so with Farley coming in, if he's ready to go week one, which he says he will be, uh, you, you expect Christian Fulton to kick inside. Uh, I know Fulton didn't spend a ton of time there in college, although he was expected to start one season inside. But uh, not a ton of experience there. Are you comfortable with that? I am. And uh, listen, let's throw him Elijah Molden in that pile, too, because Elijah Molden at pick 100 might be one of the steals of the draft in this thing. I was shocked that he was still there at that pick. It was a no brainer for him to take him right there. Um, you know, and that's a guy that's got it in his bloodlines. I mean, his dad was a top, top pick way back when for the for the uh, New Orleans Saints. And so he's been raised for this. I mean, he's been pedicured for this his whole life um i you know we know the defense was going to be the emphasis because of what they gave up on third down mm. uh, and what they had to jettison in the secondary because of you know salary cap situations and uh I, i'm okay with those things because i think if things don't go sideways with this pandemic i think you're going to see some more uh availability with these guys in terms of getting reps being out of the field doing things together in fact i think that's probably what the nfl offseason program transitions to because you know the nfl pa and the nfl are kind of in this battle about voluntary workouts and those things i think this is going to end up being a thing for rookies undrafted first year players those kinds of things to acclimate themselves and getting used to their systems getting in their playbooks I think if you get those things with Elijah Molden and certainly Caleb Farley and Christian Fulton, who didn't have a whole lot of reps last year due to injury, I think that's uh, can be beneficial for these guys. I'm I'm fine with it. I think you've remade the 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 defense on this for the most part, and that's why I think a lot of people who were upset that you know there wasn't a receiver or there wasn't a big exciting playmaker on offense taken in the draft. I think that you need to take a step back from that because the defense did struggle so much last year and, and they're set to have like six, seven new starters in, in 2021. And, and that, that flip around, I think is going to be really, really cool to see. And I think they're going to be obviously a whole lot better, but it is worth asking the question, you know, because so much of the off season resources that the Titans had both cap space and draft picks were spent on the defense do you feel like a shift has happened to where if you're the Titans, okay, we've got the defense fixed now, but it's at the expense of the offense. I think it's an interesting debate to have on is, I don't know that the offense is as good as it was last year because losing guys like Corey Davis and John o. Smith is going to make you, you know, net negative, but I feel as if it's not just going to collapse all of a sudden. What do you think? 
I think there's a whole lot to what your theory is there. And I think that is the mindset in this is that they had to get this defense shored up. Uh, nobody had given up what they gave up on third down in NFL history. And the fact that you had an offense that carried you a lot in that stuff and that you still won 11 games, you still won the division. I know you got bounced out of the first game in the first round, but you still won 11 games and won your division for the first time in a dozen years. So, and I, and we're going to find out what the absence of John U. Smith, Corey Davis and the like uh, is going to be like in the coming days as we're what a 120 days out or something like that. Um, but I think the idea and you hit on it is okay. If the, if the offense can't put up 31 points a game, but what, what if we can hold uh, around 17 to 20 points on defense, there's the dividend. There's the paradigm shift in this thing where you don't have to score 30-some-odd points a game because you've bolstered the defense. If you're holding a, a team to you know, 17, 18, 20 points a game, you're probably going to be in a lot of them if you've got a healthy Tannehill, healthy line, healthy you know, uh, Derrick Henry and the like. I think the thing that surprised me out of this draft is that he did not draft a tight end. That's where I think mm. this team uh, is, is a little needy in that position group, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm not saying you're, you know, you worry about John. Usman. Look, John, who got, he was a great person, great player, got paid, went to New England. I'm happy for him. But I just, and I hate that Brevin Jordan is going to be in the division twice a year because he's oh, the guy that was most like John, who, if you were going to go back to that style. There's a little bit, there's and a I, bunch I, of, I was going to say, there's a, just a bunch of Titans fans that, that are kind of like that old Texas El Paso uh, taco commercial where the girl says, why not both? Um, I, I, when they went Monty Rice in the third round, uh, a guy who's already on his third agent, who you you kind of envision a, a a younger Rashawn Evans. It's kind of like a redo on the Rashawn Evans pick, uh, since Evans hasn't really panned out the way that a lot of people hope to. And now he's a look, he's a competent starter, uh, but he's not anything really more than that. Uh, when they could have gone uh, Terrace Marshall, when they could have gone Diamond Brown. Uh, there are a bunch of receivers still available. And I know that it's talked about, you know, this class had, had a wide receiver class that was as deep as any that, we, that we'd seen in the last decade or so. And the Titans end up with Des Fitzpatrick. Were you a little surprised that they went inside linebacker in the third round? I was. And, and but I think, you know, because he traded from down from 85 to 92. And I think that was that was that murderer's row of picks right before 85, yeah. where uh, Friar Muth went, uh, Tommy Trimble, who I really liked, probably the best inline blocker in this draft and was very Hunter underrated Long. as a pass catcher in this because he wasn't asked to do that a lot at Notre Dame. And Hunter, yeah, Hunter Long, sorry. That's right. Um, I think when he saw that unfold in front of him, he, he bailed out right there. Uh, and, and then I guess the Monty Rice thing was – that was a tip to show where that guy was on his draft board because, you know, just a handful of picks later, there he is and he's selective. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by that a bit. And, but you, you set it up perfectly, Jack, you know, they've just made it clear. They're not going to exercise the fifth year option on Rashawn Evans, uh, just a few days ago. So he will be playing his last season as a Titan, unless he does really, really well. And, you know, with the cap going up and things going different in 2022, maybe he gets an extension and, and comes back. Um, 
Now, the Monty Rice story is interesting to me because he grew up a Titans fan. I think that's fascinating. I, I love that about those, To see those pictures of him, you know, throwing a ball in the parking lot with a Vince Young jersey on and sitting in the stands with a McNair jersey on. Really a real, uh, a really neat story in that. Um, and I don't have anything against Des Fitzpatrick uh, where he was taken. I just thought they would have taken a receiver before that pick. But again, hey, I'm not John Robinson. This yeah. is you know, way above my pay grade. Uh, I think Des Fitzpatrick, when you look at his career, you know, he's a four-year starter, 2,589 yards, 154 catches for 21 touchdowns. That's nearly 17 yards per catch for his career. And a guy that after he played, and he played with Lamar Jackson, he's played a couple of games at Nissan Stadium in college already. So he knows the building. But the fact that after Lamar Jackson, they had a turnover of quarterback there, and yet he was still a consistent, you know, player and, and playmaker for them um, throughout the rest of his career. I like that part. The big knock with Dez is he's going to have to uh, shore up his security of the ball. Again, 22 drops in four years, and that's that's a bit much. You can't do that in the NFL. And, that, that again, that's coaching. They can coach him up on those kinds of things. Um, you know, like I said, I like the pick. I just thought it would be somebody else and earlier. When you look at the receivers that the Titans have right now, and like you said, the fact that they didn't draft one higher, I saw a lot of people saying, well, this was a massive vote of confidence in Josh Reynolds. But where I came from on that was, I, I think it was more of a massive confidence signal to A.J. Brown. Because as good as we've seen him play these last two years, you know, nearly one rookie of the year, made the Pro Bowl in year two, we've only seen him, you know, barely scrap by a thousand yards and get, you know, 40, 50 targets in a season. And I think we've seen elite play from A.J. Brown, but we haven't seen elite production because he hasn't had that many opportunities because it was sort of a 1A, 1B with Corey Davis. Do you think that the Titans see this as a situation where they think they haven't even really scratched the surface with A.J. Brown? Because now I feel like his market share, if you will, of the offense in the passing game is going to skyrocket without Jonu Smith and Corey Davis there. I do think that's the case, Luke, and I'll give you two reasons why. One, you mentioned it. He, he made it to the Pro Bowl, and he did it on two bad wheels. He had two bad knees for the whole dang year. And so there's no telling what he went through each week in treatment to get ready. Uh, so they had both of those things worked on, and I'm anxious to see what he looks like on two healthy wheels. Um, so that's one thing. Second is I think they, they do have a supreme confidence in him and think he has only scratched the surface because it's his baby now. He is WR1 is what you'll see on depth chart. And – his physicality and yards after catch. Yeah. We've seen him do it time and time again. Now I don't want him to get so physical in this, that he's got to win every battle. He ends up hurting himself, uh, you know, by uh, the physical tug of war and that stuff and hand fighting with a guy. But uh, yeah, I think that's a hundred percent where they're going because you've got a guy that it's basically a running back at wide receiver who can just out muscle. You get a guy, you get a corner that's a little too lean and a little too small in the rear end and the in the lowers, and he can flip that dude around <laughs> no problem. Um, and and maybe it is a little bit of a vote of confidence for Josh Reynolds because that guy's put some nice things on tape, but it is more about AJ Brown. I think you're right. And I think too, you you think back to when the New Orleans Saints played here in 2019, 
every snap, you remember that game, you'd watch Drew Brees' head, and he'd take this snap, and immediately he's looking at Michael Thomas because that entire offense funneled through him. And I think we see a similar thing this year with Ryan Tannehill where this offense, in addition to, you know, oh, yeah, Derrick Henry, who's on a Hall of Fame track, you're this offense, this passing game is going to funnel through A.J. Brown, similar to what you see with teams like a Michael Thomas, like I said, like a Julio Jones, like a Steelers Antonio Brown. Yeah, you're, uh, and the thing with uh, – I think your comparison right there is right. I, I think A.J. is a bigger version of Michael Thomas. I mean, he's got the Michael Thomas, one of my favorite receivers in the league. He's just got those talons, and he—I mean, you know when you're going to throw it to him, he's going to get it, and he's going to make something happen with it. And I think it's exactly where Ryan Tannehill is mindset-wise when he looks for 11. To go back to my thing, what we said a few minutes ago about tight ends, though, before Taylor Lewan went down with a knee injury, this thing went through 11 in AJ Brown, 81 through John O. Smith, and 22 in Derrick Henry, and. You know, the fact that for Jonu, he had to do a lot of chipping and a lot of dirty work in this stuff from from then on after Lawan yeah. went down or though otherwise his production would have been much because he was he was fast tracking to double and triple career outputs for a season in, in catches. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he had eight, eight touchdowns. I mean, good grief. Uh, you know, he it was just explosive in that stuff. And that's why I look at, you know, tight end is a thing that I think. uh that they're going to have to revisit. And I, and I don't, I don't think they're done guys. I know when you look at the numbers and what they are with the salary cap with all, with, with 51 players versus what they are with all 53, somebody else is going to have to make a move on this or somebody's going to have to restructure because the math is not there. And, you know, I, I think there's been many things put out about restructuring Orion Tannehill and make it a $20 million, $20 million sweep by one move like that. I think that's what you're going to have to do because you're going to have to have eight to 10 million bucks to sign your draft class. You're going to have to have some money to float on through the season with transactions. Those guys go on and off of IR and those things. And then you're going to need to address tight end and maybe wide receiver with a you know free agent that gets cut or something like that. I don't think this thing's done. And John Robinson's shown that, us that over the years that, you know, he's not afraid to make a trade or something of that nature. And knowing that 2022 is going to be even better, if he can find something to patchwork in and do nicely for the 2021 season and then have a long-term plan from there, I think he'll do it. Red, I want to get this question out of the way. Um, Titans Twitter's kind of been all over this topic. And, you know, as every fan base really is in the offseason, you get excited when you hear a guy that may be looking for a new home or a team that may be looking to – offload a big contract, and that's the case when it comes to Julio Jones. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely is that that, number one, Julio leaves Atlanta, and number two, ends up in Nashville? Well, the, the likelihood that he leaves Atlanta is, I think, somewhere near the top of the scale, 9 or 10. I think that mm-hmm. happens. Okay. I think it happens in the coming weeks. That's a post-June 1 thing uh, because Atlanta is going to need to free up some money uh, in their situation uh, to sign their draft class. Uh, as far as coming here to the Titans, I would put that as probably a three or less right now, given what I just outlined with the cap situation. Yeah. Titans don't have the money. I mean, you're, you're going to take on quite a bit of money if you decide to do that, and they just don't have it right now. It would have to come from somewhere. Either somebody's getting cut or somebody's restructured or something of that nature to make that work because the math just simply isn't there. I had to ask. It's just it's, it's one no. of those hot topics in the off season. You listen, know, listen, 
I let I, I don't engage in that a whole lot just because I just let everybody <laughs> Titan Twitter can get crazy, especially oh, again yeah, after about time. 10, 11 o'clock at night. But uh, <laughs> you know, if I see something I like and I'll jump in every once in a while. But um yeah, look, I'm not trying to crush people's dreams. Um I, I think it'd be great to see him in a Titans uniform, but I'm not as ready to pull the trigger on that as Titans Twitter is because this is older Julio Jones. Julio Jones four or five years ago? Come on, let's do that. But that's not what we're talking about. So if people, if Titans fans show up to John Justice's door asking about Julio Jones, <laughs> they're going to get a gun pulled on them? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah. They're, well, if they're looking for John Justice, they're looking for the wrong guy. That, <laughs> that, that alter ego has been gone for a long, long time. But, uh, but yeah, and – it's it. I, I do think it's funny as uh, you know, folks go down rabbit holes and check things out. And what about this guy? And what about that guy? And they automatically want to draw a line to somebody because somebody else has been released and it's a place you have a need of, or the, this guy played in college with him, or this guy was his coach, or whatever. And sometimes those things happen, but not as often as people realize. And that's what I think is funny about the Titan Twitter part of it is they still want to believe. And it's like, oh, come on, you guys are smarter than that. Come on. I want to go back to where we started, which is outside of the football world. And I want to ask you about Titans Radio, because it's an organization that I have immense respect for. And you all put out such great content constantly. And of course, the the game productions are second to none. And so I guess my question is, what's the secret? Because culturally, as an organization, you guys seem to just have it. And whenever a new person comes on, whether it was Coach Mack a, a few years ago or Amy Wells moving to that sideline reporter role or Jonathan Hutton when, when he started, there's never really a dud. And, like, you look around town and sometimes there are hires made at various sports media stops, and for one reason or the other, you kind of say, oh, that was a dud, you know, for maybe it wasn't a good matchup and they, they have to move on. What's the secret culturally to what you all have been able to accomplish with Titans Radio? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. We try very hard to bring a very good product. We think the fan base deserves it. The organization deserves it. And that's where it starts. There's two or three things. First of all, it started with Larry Stone, who started this network. I was one of the first people he hired in 1997 when he came over from was running the Tar Heels Network at, in North Carolina. He was a graduate of North Carolina. And... Um, so he just had this incredible work ethic, one of the smartest people I know, um, and, and just the way he approached it, uh, he very much a news type delivery. I mean, he was old school news stuff like Edward R. Murrow and Walter Con Cronkite and things like that. And so the, the, the expectation, the preparation, the doing things above and beyond uh, he set that bar enormously high, and that's what we try to reach for every week, every game, the whole thing. And the other is Mike Keith. Mike uh, prepares for things in a similar fashion. You'll never outwork him. You'll never outprep him. Uh, listen, I've done 450-plus games with him, Titans games, and every game I've ever done with him about – 90 minutes before kick, about the time that the inactives are released. He has a blank sheet of paper in front of him, numerical order, 1 to 99, blank spaces. And he is recalling from memory the opposing, the opposing team numerically. 
every game without fail. He's a stud. Um, I, I don't even know how much he prepares. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to put an uh, an hour meter to it to to figure out what that is. And then the other thing is for us as a group, it's like Coach Max says: if you love ball, then then we're good, we're tight, and that's the way he operates. We love ball. We love football. Um, and there is a sense of accountability towards one another. I don't want to let anybody down on that crew ever. And we all make mistakes and we all have slip ups and things, but we want to try to do it as absolutely the best we possibly can. And so because we all have the same goal of wanting the best radio product that we can put out uh, and making that the, the number one goal and everybody has that same goal, there are the friendships that have spawned from this that, I mean, Titans radio is my extended family. Um, I spent a lot of time with them six, seven months out of the year. And uh, we, we all get along great, but it's because we put the product first and we want to do it right. We want to be as factually correct as possible. Um, and if we mess up, we'll say we messed up. That's where it, it's those those two people and those things is where all of it starts for me personally. And I think anybody you ask on our crew would agree. And then the other thing is, gosh, I mean, a lot of us have worked together so long. Uh, I mean, you know, coach Max going into what season five of being the color analyst. And so he's already got a handful of games under his belt as in that role. Mike and I've done every one of them together. Uh, Brad Willis and Philip Noel and I have known each other for, I've known Phil for 30 years. I've known Brad for over 20 uh, and, and we've all worked together on these projects. So it just starts with all of those ingredients and just trying to, to do the absolute best we can. And, you know, I have people uh, reach out to us after the, our draft coverage. and like, I don't understand how you guys do all that stuff. It's like, well, it's, it's work. And you either love doing it or you don't. And if you don't, you probably won't do it. I don't know how many other NFL radio teams put out that kind of production. Uh, I'm sure there are some. But it's a labor of love because Coach Mack and I started – we started really looking at draft prospects and me putting things together a week after the Titans were out of the playoff. And, and we worked right up until the time we went on the air. And we're so fortunate in Nashville because not all markets are like Nashville's. You know, not every market has a Titans radio. They don't have a Jaguars radio that performs like you guys. And it's talent and hard work all meshing together with a, a lot of chemistry in there as well. You crush it. You crushed it during draft weekend. I was listening Thursday and Friday to you guys, and it was incredible how much work you guys had put in. It was very clear and obvious to the to the listeners. But Rhett, um, before we go, I heard you're a master of impressions. Who do you, do you have a favorite impression to do? Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite, but you have a good I've Jeff done, Fisher. You know, I've never gotten a good Jeff Fisher. Yeah. I mean, there's it's that tough. low kind of monotone. Gravelly, yeah. Gravelly, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have what done about Mike? What about Mike Vrabel? You know, and Mike's hard for me to do because I'm from around here. So he's a, you know, he's a <laughs> Rust Belt guy up in Ohio. And, and uh, so there's, and, you know, he, he smokes. So there's, you know, there's, there's the raspiness <laughs> there. Um, I have done, I have literally, my parents have, cassette tapes of me when I was four or five years old doing impressions of John Wayne impressions of uh, the late great Howard Cosell they used to call Monday Night Football and I've just fooled that stuff all these years but I don't have anyone in particular and I do sometimes on 104.5 The Zone I'll do something you know 
I, in fact, I did some production for uh, Buck Rising show today. Um, they do these updates. Uh, they do poll questions every day and have updates. Oh, they do poll questions. They never do poll questions. So I did this old movie tone news uh, type delivery from the from the 40s when they would show uh, the guys fighting in World War II before they'd show the feature president. And, uh, you know, this old 1080 sound, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is movie tone news. You know, the old <laughs> style. Good, though, yeah. But, you know, and, um, <laughs> but yeah, I would do, uh, you know, you're watching Monday Night Football. This is Howard Cosell. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys tonight are facing the Green Bay Packers alongside Don, Dandy Don Meredith. I'm Howard Cosell. Um, I, you know, <laughs> that's it's pretty good, poor, man. but anyway, that's pretty I, good. It's just me goofing. I'm just goofing. Well, you're hilarious, and we love you. And we thank you for coming on, guys. Go give them a follow on Twitter at Rhett B. Tennessee. Rhett Brian, can't thank you enough. You crushed it. You always do on Titans Radio. It's great to have you on. Let's get you back on soon. I'd love to be invited again, and I appreciate the initial invite. It was a lot of fun with you guys. Always love talking ball and Titans for sure. Thanks, Rhett. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. That was Rhett Bryan, one of my favorite interviews of all time. That guy is hilarious and very informed. Uh, he does a great job on Titans Radio. Titans Radio, guys, we sometimes I feel like some of us take Titans Radio for granted. You know, not every outlet, not every city ha- has a a radio team like they do at Titans Radio that uh, makes game day so much more enjoyable. Thanks to Rhett Bryan for coming on. We're going to get him back on. We had fun with him. Um, But we're going to shift our focus now to the schedule releases. These are going to take place tomorrow, or I guess for you guys today, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. They're going to release them. So we know who the Titans are playing. We just don't know when they're playing these teams. We don't know when the bye week will be. We don't know uh, who the last game of the season will be. We don't know who the first game of the season will be. But we know the teams that they're playing. So, Luke, part of what sucks about winning your division is that you wind up with a number one schedule, meaning yes. you're going to have to play the best teams in, in in some of these divisions from last season. Now, some teams may get worse over the course of an offseason, but for the most part, all of these teams are pretty competitive. Titans have a tough draw because they get the NFC West, so that's Seattle, San Francisco, the Rams of L.A., and then the Cardinals probably what most can consider the best division in football. Would you agree? Oh yeah. That's, that's murderer's row right now. I think I heard Daniel Jeremiah refer to it as that when you've got, I mean, just start with the quarterbacks in that division, right? Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, uh, Kyler Murray on the Cardinals, and then some combination of Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, like there's every team in that division has a competent quarterback. The, the defense is there outside of, I guess, well, the Cardinals did a good job this offseason and patching it up a little, but the Rams have an elite defense and San Francisco does as well. So they're going to go on the road. They're going to play the Rams out in LA and they're going to play Seattle up in Seattle, which is no easy feat, but, um, you know, you think maybe out, out west they may be a little behind in putting fans in the stands, so that could play to the advantage if they catch them early in the season. That's something to look out for. Um, but they, they're they hosting 
San Fran, they're hosting Arizona. I think both of those teams are the two most beatable teams in that division right now. So it's good to catch them at home. Uh, you hope to steal one out there uh, out west. But, you know, going from central time to, you know, west coast, it's, it's a two-time zone difference. And it's tough to, to, to get adjusted out there. So that's going to be a tough task. And then the other division that they are attached to this year is the AFC East. So the East and the AFC South play. All teams will have to play – all teams in the South will have to play the teams we've, we've just mentioned and we're about to be mentioning. But uh, the AFC East, so that division got a lot better over the last year. Buffalo, Certainly. New England, Miami, and the Jets. So they, they catch Miami at home and they catch Buffalo at home. I think it's very important to have Buffalo and Miami at home because those are the two teams, whether you're jockeying for uh, seeding in, in the postseason or the, that wild card spot or that extra wild card spot, it's important to catch the two teams that are most likely to play in, in the playoffs at home. That's a big advantage, but it's a, that division's going to be tough this year. Yes, it certainly will. Uh, New England, like you said, will be much improved. They put in a lot of resources in free agency in the draft to fix that train wreck of a roster that they had in 2020. Miami was a, a fringe team in 2020. Uh, Tua Tungabailoa, you would certainly hope, will be far improved in year two than he was in year one. Buffalo nearly made it to the Super Bowl last year. It is a tough schedule. But, A, it's what happens when you're a good team. First-place teams get first-place schedules. But also, like, all you can do is just play who's on your schedule that week. Oh, you sound and, like Mike Vrabel. And I know. I'm lit I was literally thinking that. I'm like, this is the first time I'm ever like, adopting <laughs> Vrabel coach speak. That was very but, coach speak. It's, it's true, though. And, you know, you'll have these people. You're going to see it Wednesday, whether it's Titans fans or, or national media. You know, it's like the Adam Rank thing where you go game by game through the schedule and you're like, OK, well, you know, that's that's a win. That's a loss. That one's going to, you know, it's just foolishness, man. Like, you better if watch you're your good, words. We're going to do that here down the road. You better oh, you better God. be careful. <laughs> it's it's. You can only play who's on the schedule that week. And if you're a good team, it shouldn't matter. And the reality is that a lot of these teams that we're looking at now and saying, oh, ho, ho, are going to end up being worthless. It, it always happens. I mean, you know, I was going to use the Cowboys as an example last year. But that's not really fair because their quarterback got hurt. But it seems like every year there is a team that looks poised to be a powerhouse and then just totally flops and is worthless. And so that's why I think you have to take the whole, you know, let's predict the record based on the schedule with a grain of salt because, you know, I can't ever recall being in a season where I'm sitting there saying, well, you know, the schedule has really, you know, bitten them in the rear end this year. No, but last like, year you could have said that because the Titans with – you know, they did take their bye early in the season, and they had a lot of guys miss. A.J. Brown had to miss a game. Um, I, I mean, having a bye but, week early in the season kind of kills you, and especially in a 17-game season, you want to have that bye week somewhere close to the middle, if not to the back of, uh, to the back of your schedule, to give your time – you know, your guys are going to get banged up as the course of a season goes along. So to have a bye week later in the season where you can maybe get an important week of rest before finishing strong in a gauntlet 
uh, of a schedule that the Titans are going to face is going to be important. So while the schedule but, may not dictate completely what's going to happen in the league this year, because there's a lot of moving parts and moving pieces and variables around, uh, you know, all of these games, it's something to definitely look at. And, you know, at this point in the off season, uh, I think a lot of people are going to really pay a lot of attention to, you know, when the schedule falls out, how the schedule falls, when you're going to have, you know, what games are going to be on prime time, what game's going to yeah, be after the bye yeah. week, what game's going to come before and all of that. So a lot of it does go into it. And while it may not mean everything, I think it definitely means something. Yeah. There's definitely something that should be attached to it. There's there absolutely should be. And I, I think it's fun to circle the primetime games because those are always the most fun to, to watch and to cover. And I'm, I'll be interested to see who they open against. Right. Those are fun things. That's the takeaway you should have from this. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying, you know, don't get excited about the schedule. It's just the whole like, well, you know, I don't know about this team. Like, we just really yeah. don't know. I get what you're saying, and, though. I do get what you're saying. And to your and, point, you know, the Titans, your point, the Titans did have it rough to an extent last year, especially with uh, coronavirus taking their bye week away. But you know what? They're well coached. They had good players. And they rose above and finished, what was it, 11 and 5? 10 and 6? Ten, uh, I can't remember what, for whatever reason. I can't either. What's wrong with me? What was, what was the Tennessee Titans record in 2020? Let's see what Siri has to say. All right. Well, you get the answer from Siri. You know, so, so they get the AFC East and they get the NFC West. Those are eight games that you're going to play. You get the six divisional games against Jacksonville, Texas, or the Texans and the Colts. Um, the other three teams that, you know, look, these are the fruits of first place. This is what they offer you. Uh, you got to go to Pittsburgh. You host Kansas City and you host New Orleans. So it's good to get two of those three at home and probably the most winnable of the three you get, you get to go on the road for. You have to go on the road for, I should say. But Kansas City, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh, with Pittsburgh being the one on the road, those are tricky. I expect Pittsburgh to be a little worse than last year. And, you know, the Titans, that's a big revenge game for them. Uh, that's a game that they feel like got away off the leg of Steven Goskowski, who missed a game-tying field goal as time expired. So I expect them to be motivated heading to Pittsburgh, no matter when that falls. But then you've got Kansas City and a New Orleans team that could be quarterbacked by Jameis Winston. I mean, let's face it, that's probably what's going to be happening. Uh, depends on maybe maybe they catch him late and Taysom Hill takes over by then after Winston's thrown his 39th interception of the year. But that's, you know, we'll, we'll have to see when exactly they'll play them. But uh, so that's the way it falls. And I, I just can't wait to see, you know, when the bye week is, who's going to be the prime time and all the stuff we just discussed. I think it's fun. And, and you know, it's fun. It's It's the... It's the chance where you get to see, you know, okay, if the Titans start the season four and one, then that that makes that'll let them, you know, be able to get away with going two and two with the last four that are pretty yeah, tough. Yeah, that's that's silliness. I think your silliness. I think your silliness. I think your your Tim Tebow argument is silly. Silly. Hey, can, can we can we do the uh, the the DraftKings ad read again? And this time you give us the link to where we can bet on the prop of Tim Tebow touchdown versus the Titans. <laughs> we'll have to probably wait around till game day for that but yeah we'll, we'll, if if he's on the roster by then we'll have a little podcast bet how about that how's that sound <laughs> it's gonna happen i mean I'm all, right. all in. well you know i think we've exhausted the schedule talk i really do but we've had fun and before we close every episode you know what we got to do we've got to remember a titan we've got to remember a titan that maybe no one else remembers this is our 62nd episode so this will be player number 123 and 124, if my math checks out. Um, so, so we're look, we've said it before. We're running low on some of these guys. But that's not going to stop us this week. I mean, I've got, I, I, 
I imagine that from this point on, I will have a lot of repeat from what you and Austin have it's done. Okay, we got past. fresh blood. It, you know, it's and you know maybe some of the listeners who are listening now didn't hear some of the previous. Remember the Titans. Either way, don't feel bad about it. Uh, are you are you ready to lead off this week? I'm ready to lead off this week. This is a game that Titans fans will remember, I think. But I think people misremember the quality of player that he was. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to correct the record today on running back slash kick returner Darius Raynaud. Oh, Darius Raynaud. No, not the man who took a step out that, of the end zone and kneeled hey, for a safety on the opening play exactly. against Pittsburgh. People remember Darius Raynaud as, as the safety guy who on the first play of the season against Pittsburgh, a game the Titans won thanks to a touchdown run by Jackie Battle. No thanks to – that's a that's a great name too. But no thanks to <laughs> – Yeah, to that the, might or, be next week. Darius Raynaud. But Darius Raynaud, yeah, he had the safety, which was, was not good. And he also had a really bad muffed punt against the 49ers at one point. But people forget that this dude was like a stud for a while. He had two punt return touchdowns in one game in 2012 against the Jaguars. He had that kickoff return touchdown in the crazy Detroit Lions game in 2012. And he was was the craziest game in franchise history, that Lions game. Oh, crazy game I've ever seen. Uh, other than maybe the 28 to three New England Super Bowl. No, the Titans lost the Lions game, if I remember correctly. No, they won. They, they won? won in overtime. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was overtime. Yeah. Um, but this guy, like people, were, because of the safety and because of that muff punt against the 49ers, if you remember that before he got cut, people like remember him to have like just been totally worthless. I keep saying the word like, he was like totally worthless. Well, but, it's like Bill that, Buckner. It's like Bill Buckner. You know, the guy was a decent player and a solid hitter. But if you have one play like that, then that's what I'm sorry. That's just how that's it works. But the guy had three touchdowns. And you know what? No Titan has done since Darius Raynaud was the punt returner. Returned the punt for a touchdown. <laughs> and that happened. That hurts me to hear. Nearly. Ten years since it they had, ran a punt had, back. I think there's been a kickoff turn since him, if I remember right. Maybe there hasn't. Because I'm trying to go through my head. Like, the returners since him have been Devin Wiley, who played, like, one game, Leon Washington, Mark Mariani, uh, Adoree Jackson did it for a while, Khalif Raymond now, did it now a that was Now, that was Mariani when he came back. From- yeah, yeah, that was the second stint, Mariani. Okay. And I think I'm missing whoever came before Mark Mariani. Maybe uh, Eric Weems did it at some point. Dexter McCluster, that's McCluster. what I'm thinking of. Run DMC. Yeah, but none of those people have ever had a punt return touchdown with the Titans. Mark Mariani did it in his first stint. But, yeah, Darius Raynaud, the last Titan to have a punt return touchdown and maybe a kick return touchdown. I, I'm struggling to remember anybody else who had one. Yeah, I am too. If any of you guys listening want to hit at, get at us on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod, go feel free to. Um, but I could none come to mind, and that's kind of sad. I hate that none come to mind. Oh, but they, yeah, that's why they drafted Darrington Evans. You know, hopefully Darrington Evans gets back there and does it. But uh, that's pretty good, Luke. Good. Remember the Titan. Keep it up. You're kind of crushing it. Uh, this week for me, I'm going to go offensive line. Now this is a six five, three hundred pound guy. No, it's not Isaiah Wilson. I it's, thought we were going to get a third Panda reference in this no, episode. 
No. So he's a sixth rounder in the 2011 draft. The Tennessee Titans drafted him out of Louisville. Fun fact, the last player to be drafted out of Louisville before Des Fitzpatrick came along. His name is Byron Andrew Stingley, the th- or Byron Andrew Stingley <laughs> Jr., not the third. I'm sure he has a child that's the third, or he doesn't. You know, that's I remember not- Byron Stingley. So he played three seasons in Tennessee. He, he was a right tackle. Uh, played in 20 games, started in nine of them, recovered one fumble as uh, his crowning achievement in the NFL. Byron Stingley, he was a guy who came in, and this is a name that many Titans fans will want to you know, carve their ears off after hearing, but Michael Orr. Michael Orr was signed by the Titans, uh, you know, hoping to get something out of him after nothing had – he had really kind of flopped in his career. So they signed Michael Orr. They figure out that Michael Orr sucks, and who's the guy to replace Michael Orr, the blind side? Byron Stingley Jr. So he didn't stick around long. He he spent just three seasons there, and then he got cut before the final roster cuts in 2015. Um, he he tried he tried to spend some time with the Steelers, uh, but he never really fit in there. Uh, signed with the Giants in 2016. He was placed on IR, and that was the last we heard of Byron Stingley uh, Jr. But uh, another fun fact, you know, his father is a well-known house music singer from Chicago and is currently a school principal. So you'd imagine some serious discipline in the Stingley house. He also has a younger brother named Cameron, who previously played running back and was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Byron Stingley Jr., I know not a lot of people are going to remember him, but that's where we are in this podcast. He's my remember the Titan this week. You know, when you brought up the fumble recovery stat, it made me think of one of the weirdest things on profootballreference.com, which is if you go to uh, Jameel Douglas for Titans offensive lineman's page, I'm on it right now. My buddy Will, who I do the No Nonsense podcast, pointed this out to me. It has him listed as five career fumbles, not fumble recoveries, fumbles. Huh. Like that would have required five separate occasions in Jameel Douglas's career as an NFL interior offensive lineman carrying the football. So five times that had to have happened. And then also five times where he (laughs) lost it. Like something has gone awry here. You can go to his page. You can see it. Five career fumbles. Four fingers. Douglas is what I'm going to start calling him. Now, Now, here's something interesting maybe we've gotten to the bottom of this because he's listed as having one with the Titans in 2020. And maybe what they are counting as that is a snap is that snap over Derek. Oh, bad snap. So maybe it's bad snaps. Either way, five is way too many. We can't have five Jamil. Well, you know, Mike Vrabel said for years that the reason he was still on the team was he liked his versatility as a center as being, being, (laughs) being able to snap. And then his first snap was like, everyone was like, why was Derrick Henry back there? I'm like, guys, you could have put Calvin Johnson back there. He wasn't catching that snap. I remember that. Arthur Smith caught a lot of flack for that when, you know, all you have to do is just snap it to Derrick Henry. Because Ben Jones went out for, I think, one play. And yes. Arthur Smith is like, wildcat, now's the time. I love <laughs> Arthur Smith. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a questionable call. I do remember that. That's funny. All right, well. Uh, before we hit the road, I want to remind you guys to follow the podcast at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Go leave us uh, a rating, a review, 
subscribe as well to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. We're going to be here every week. Um, schedule's going to come out tomorrow, so don't overreact, as Luke would say, or as I would say, definitely overreact. Overreact to it all. You know, this is this is do or die for us. We got to see, you know, when the Titans are playing these guys and, and some of the best teams in the league are going to come through Nissan this year. So it's going to be exciting. But uh, shoot your reaction to the schedule. If you think it's crazy, tweet at us. If you think the Titans are going 17-0 like I do, then tweet that at us as well. Um, Luke, before we go, do you have anything for the road? I Yes. If you are one of the people I was talking about earlier, I'm going to return to where we started this episode, the Tim Tebow conversation. (laughs) Calm down. Take a breath. It's going to be okay. That's my parting thought. Wow. It's kind of a therapeutic way to end the episode. Nice. Good. Thank you for, you've calmed me down about it. And I wasn't even riled (laughs) up. So, Uh, all right, guys, thanks for listening. We are going to catch you guys next week. For episode number 63, we'll let you know which Titan has or hasn't worn that number. So thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Go give the pod a follow and tweet at Luke all your Tim Tebow takes. See you guys. They used to be the Oilers a long, long time ago when they played in the Houston Astrodome. They've gone from being spoilers to starting 6-0 and since they moved to Tennessee to call it home. Had a Music City miracle to conquer Buffalo And they came within a yard of winning in the Super Bowl They've had the same head coach leading all the way That's one of many reasons that I'm loving how they play They're the Tennessee Titans They're the Tennessee Titans They're 